Hi, and welcome to the Savvy Social Hour podcast. This show is for female biz babes looking to up-level their business and become rockstar entrepreneurs in no time. I'm your host, Jenny, and I'm so excited to chat with you about today's episode. Let's get right into it. Hey, Savvies. Welcome back to another episode of the Savvy Social Hour podcast. I'm here today with Elise Grimm of Things to Do in Salem. Elise is a 32-year-old Pacific Northwest native who now resides in beautiful New England. After first visiting Salem, Massachusetts roughly 10 years ago, she fell in love with the old town. Things to do in Salem came about as a result of wanting to help visitors get the most out of their trip to Salem and keep up to date with events year-round. Outside of covering the city's happenings, Elise is an avid reader, writer, artist, and coffee drinker. I'm so excited to chat with Elise here today on the podcast, all about blogging with a super specific niche, um, because that's something people don't talk about that much. Usually people are like a fashion blogger or um, a lifestyle blogger or something that's more broad. So her niche is really, really specific. So I'm really excited to chat with her about that today. So let's dive right in. Hi, Elise. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited you're here, A, and I cannot wait to chat with you about niching down as a blogger today. So before we dive into the episode, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your business and just how you got started doing it all? Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to chat with you. Um, so uh, my name is Elise. I run Things to Do in Salem, which is a travel website and blog that relates to tourism and events, local business info and event coverage um, related to Salem, Massachusetts, which is the witch city. (laughs) Yeah, that's really cool. Whenever you reached out to me, I was like, oh my gosh, this is really cool. I love Halloween. So it made me like think of, um, I was like, I need to do this interview. And then it's funny enough, it'll be coming out in October. So even even more perfect, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep, good timing. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I, whenever I saw you, your email, I was like, whoa, this is cool. Like, I like it. So yeah, <laughs> I just you. wanted to let you know that. So, you know, what are some benefits that you have as being niched as a blogger? And what are some of the setbacks if you've experienced any from that? Yeah, definitely. Um, so... In terms of working in a niche kind of market, running a website that's pretty niche down, I found that it's been to my advantage, um, you know, for this point. I've been doing this for about a year and a half or two years now, and I found that it's a little bit easier or has been because it's a little bit less saturated of a market. It's different than running, like, for example, a lifestyle blog or something like that where you're going to have pretty fierce competition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being niche down is less saturated. So I feel like it's easier for you to stand out, to be able to present yourself and be seen as an authority in your market. You know, it's kind of a little easier to put yourself out there as an authority. Um, you, you know, kind of have the chance to trend set a little bit and pave the way, things like that. Like it's easier to just kind of be the, the go-to person when there's other not so many other people to go to you know what I mean (laughs) yeah no I totally I totally get it yeah I think that's really important and and I also in addition to having this business I also have a lifestyle blog so like you said just kind of a little bit all over the place but it's fun for me because I don't like on my business blog obviously I only write about select topics I'm not going to be talking about the latest and greatest beauty trends and things like that because it's a social media slash 
like business blog. Um, but it's always fun to have that outlet for me. Um, but I completely understand all the benefits of being niche down because, you know, like I have one that's niche and one that's not. Um, and I, I've seen, you know, people treat you more like an expert and things like that whenever you are focused solely on one to three topics versus, you know, ranging across the board with all the lifestyle topics. So I completely get that. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I've also found that it's a little bit easier to build a community um, kind of around what you do. Like I started um, a Facebook group earlier this year and it's grown really quickly. It was easier to find a community in that regard of people that were needing help uh, planning their trip into Salem and such, because, you know, if you're niche down there, you're going to be the person that they find, you know? Yeah, very true. I totally, yeah. And that's really cool. I think having a really niche Facebook group is great for you too, because you're able to also build the community in addition to, um, you know, sharing your stuff. So you're able to get both elements of things, being able to promote yourself and then also, you know, having that community of people who are truly interested in what you do because you're not focusing on 20 different things. They're going to be interested on, you know, just that one thing that you do versus, you know, like, me with my lifestyle blog, you know, people might only be interested in the beauty stuff. They may only be interested. And when I talk about my dog, you know, there's not, there's no telling who is interested in what aspect of things, you know, when it, there's so many things going on. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I found also with being kind of niche down, it's easier in terms of website traffic and, you know, SEO and all of these things and being able to register domain names and social media handles that are keyword heavy because they're like, it's not a bunch of people trying to find things to do in salon.com, which is my website. You know what I mean? Like I was able to purchase that domain name, which is obviously keyword loaded and it was just available, whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's really, really good because you know, you, you are, you know, probably the first person to pop up on Google when people are typing that in, like when they're looking at to take a trip to Salem. Um, so that's really helpful for you in terms of growing your traffic to your website and, you know, your email list and just your credibility in general. So that's really, really cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, have you found that there were any setbacks of, you know, being niched or, you know, have you ever had a moment where you're like, oh man, I really want to write about this. Um, but obviously it's not related to Salem or something like that. Um, so in terms of setbacks, I've, the only drawbacks that I've personally experienced have been um, that sometimes it can be a little bit harder to find other bloggers or kind of, you know, entrepreneur people that are in your market mm -hmm. or kind of like in your arena. Um, so that can be a little bit of a drawback <clears throat> because it's harder to find others to just kind of have chats with about how all this goes and become friends with. However, that can also be a good thing. One of my friends who runs a Halloween blog actually started a little Facebook group of all of us in there. And there's only like 40 of us, but we all run websites that relate to, um, you know, uh, like I'm the only one in there that's a travel website, but everybody else blogs about Halloween and stuff like that. So you can kind of create a little bit of your own network of people if you want to. But if that's not something you're interested in doing, then like I said, it could be hard to find others that are in your arena to just chat with, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I like how you mentioned, like, you know, even though there's not 
people, other people that necessarily focus on Salem, like you do, you can still relate in the Halloween aspect because Salem is really big for Halloween and things like that. So that's really cool. I actually met a Halloween blogger a couple of months ago and I thought it was so cool because I had never heard of that niche before because, you know, usually people are like, well, I'm a beauty blogger or a fashion blogger or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it was really cool to get to see a different perspective. And, you know, like I didn't know someone could blog about Halloween, you know, all the time. Like I figured eventually you'd run out of topics, but really you, you know, you can blog about Halloween crafts, like decorations. There's so many things you can do with Halloween, even when it's not just October. So I think that was really cool. And it was kind of eye-opening to me to see people that were niching down even more than just, you know, I blog about beauty or something like that. So yeah, the blogger that you met, um, what website did they run? I might be familiar with them. You know what? I can't remember the name of the website. It was at a conference. Um, I was speaking at the conference, but she was just an attendee. Um, it was in Texas, so I think she's a Texas blogger. Are you talking about Miranda from Spooky Little Halloween? Yeah, I think that might be her. Yeah, I yeah. love her. She's oh my god, she's one of my friends. She started the Facebook group that I had brought up. There's only like oh, that's hilarious. in there. Yeah, um, that's funny. Yeah, I reached out to her uh, maybe a year ago on social media just to chat with her and. You know, we became friends and we bounce ideas off of each other and we're um, both part of that Facebook group, obviously. She's great. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, no, it's such a small world, especially in that niche, I imagine. So that's that's so funny. But yeah, um, but I, yeah, I just, I was blown away because, you know, to me, niching down is like one thing, but that's so niche that I was really impressed by that. So, so mm -hmm. cool. Um, so what are some tips that you have for other people who are wanting to niche down their blog? Say right now they have like a general lifestyle focus and you know, they want to just focus on one aspect, say like travel or something, you know, what kind of tips can you give them for, you know, streamlining and only focusing on maybe like one to two topics? Um, I would just say to make sure that you're not niching down too much because you can kind of, you know, corner yourself out of, an audience or a market or whatever, if you niche down too hard. Um, so making sure that you're not being too hyper specific, that you wind up with a, such a small audience that it would be hard to grow, you know, into something that generates full-time income. If that's the path you want to go, if not, you know, then obviously write about whatever your heart desires. But if you want to work for profit, then making sure you're not creating a market that's so small, that that would be difficult. Um, and what I would say too is, to make sure that you have enough content ideas right out the gate that you could write about. If you're thinking about um, niching down in a certain way, say you're going to run a travel website and it relates to, I don't know, let's just say traveling with your pets because you mentioned you have a dog earlier. Um, then I would say to sit down and think to yourself, okay, can I write on this piece of paper at least, I don't know, 20, 30, 40, 50 blog post ideas that I could immediately think of off the top of my head that I could cover that relates to traveling with your animals if you wanted to niche down that way and to make sure that you can come up with ideas because if you can only think of like one to five then that might be an indication that it would be hard you know to generate content and to keep things flowing and keep that conversation going so you're creating and putting out good content yeah no that's great and i so agree with that i actually i'm going to be launching like another branch of confetti social in october when this will this will it will be launched by the time this goes live um but it's going to be solely dedicated to social media managers so it's called savvy social media managers.com and i did that exact task a couple of weeks ago just wrote down all the things i could 
think about about being a social media manager for blog post ideas, live streams, things like that. You know, because I wanted to make sure that I wouldn't run out of content within the first three months and then not be able to write anything ever again. So I think that's really important to, I would say, at least have 30 plus topics. You said, you know, you said a couple, um, but I would say 30 at least because, you know, if you're doing one blog post a month, then, you know, that's 30 months of content. Um, you know, maybe you're doing two posts a month. So, you know, that'll be a little less, but still just making sure that you can write about this topic without repeating yourself over and over and over again, because not only is that going to get boring for you, but it's also going to get boring for your audience. Yeah, exactly. Making sure you can put out good content consistently and that you've got fresh ideas that are popping up and you're not, you know, sitting there kind of running dry on stuff. I would also say as well to make sure that um, you are still filling a market, you're still solving a problem for somebody. You know what I mean? Like if you have a travel website, for example, and somebody is looking to figure out how to travel to a certain place or do a certain thing, mm -hmm. can you help that person? Are you solving a problem? Are you still putting out valuable content that helps people? And, you know, what are people searching for? Thinking about those things and making sure that you can put yourself out there in that way that helps them. If you're too niche down, that you're not really providing content in that way anymore, then you might be too niche. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And you, like, just in general, we need to keep in mind that all the content that we're putting out is helpful because a lot of people put out content that you know it's like more personal related and while people do enjoy that personal connection once they get to know you if that's like your first thing that you're putting out into the world then people are going to be like okay who cares because they haven't gotten to know you yet so it's really mm -hmm. important to make every piece of content that you create have some kind of learning opportunity or something that will help your you know person who visited your website um you know, with whatever they want to achieve because people are selfish. And if they go to your post and they see that it's just a life blurb and they don't know a thing about you, then they're not going to care, which it sounds harsh, but it's true. So just adding a little bit of value into every single post that you post is really, really important. Yeah, absolutely. Allowing them to get to know you and also filling, you know, a problem or solving a problem for them. I think a good example of this was a a real estate person that's over here in New England. I happened to run across her website randomly. It was a girl that I went to high school with. I think I found it on Facebook or something when I was clicking around. But she had on her website, she was sharing information about buying your house and the whole mortgage process and real estate and how it works. But then in each blog post, she also shared a recipe from her family, which I thought was like a great kind of combination of that with sharing personal but also adding value, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's really important because like you do need to show value, but people aren't going to gain that like, know, and trust factor either if they don't know things about you. So you need to kind of weave that into a very actionable and valuable post, but still make it so that the people can get to know you too, because they're not going to, you know, read your stuff or purchase products or services from you in the future if you're not providing them with a little behind the scenes because, you know, people trust people and they buy from people. So you need to incorporate that some way and weave it seamlessly into all pieces of content that you're creating, whether it's a blog post, a video, or even just post on your social media channels. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. They trust you more if they have a personal connection with you. If you're going to go the route of selling, you know, digital downloadable content, or you're going to use affiliate links, people need to be able to trust you and 
feel like they know a little bit about you in order to follow through with that or to seek you out to make those purchases where they might be able to find the same thing, not via an affiliate link or something like that directly. You know, if they trust you, they'll be more likely to go down those routes. Exactly. Especially with affiliate marketing, because people like there are some people out there that ruin it for everyone and they, I know. they, they throw their links everywhere and they've never even used the product before. They're just trying to make a quick buck and you know, that ruins it for everyone else. So, you know, making sure that your audience knows that you actually have used the product or service that you're promoting is really, really key because then you will continue to foster that relationship and they will, you know, continue to trust you versus if you're just throwing links everywhere and you never even used the product before, then that trust will be lost. Exactly. And being honest about it too. Like if somebody reaches out to you to ask about something, like if I have someone contact me, for example, to ask my opinion on um, like a tour or a walk, a business, an attraction or something in Salem, and I haven't personally experienced that, then I'll just tell them. I'm not going to be like, oh, it's good. You know, I'm going to say, oh, I personally haven't experienced that one. And however, I've heard good things. I have done this one, which is comparable. And I really enjoyed that. Just being honest and making a connection and showing the other person that they can trust you. Yeah, that is so important. And I'm the same way. Like if people are like, oh, hey, you know, what pairs of jeans do you recommend on like my lifestyle blog? Then I'll tell them, you know, what I prefer and stuff like that. And then they'll, if they ask like, well, hey, I heard this about XYZ brand. Is it a good brand? And I'm like, well, I'm not quite sure, but I've seen a lot of other people raving about it. So, you know, I imagine it's a good brand, but you know, if it doesn't work for you, it's not, you know, I've never tried it before. So I'm not like kind of like going like, yeah, it's really great. And then never, ever use it. So, and that's yeah. really important to keep that integrity because it's really important because I know back in the day when celebrities were endorsing everything, people kind of got a bad taste in their mouth and now kind of influencers are taking that role. Um, not completely, obviously there's still a lot of celebrity endorsements out there, but they're also stepping into that role. So it's important to make, remain true to yourself and, you know, only share things that are things that you've used and you actually like. And if you have used it and you're not a big fan, you know, tell people that like, you're not, you know, you need to be transparent about everything. Yeah, exactly. Owning up if it's something that you don't like and just saying, oh, personally, that wasn't for me or I didn't particularly enjoy this thing for this reason. However, in this situation, you might like it for this yeah. function or you might try this other route. I could recommend this other business that I do have personal experience with and just being upfront. Exactly. Being honest is really important. And, you know, you don't have to completely diss the product or service or whatever it is just like pointing out what you experience and saying well you know this may work for you though or something like that like although i have dry skin this product was a little too much for me but if i had oily skin i feel like this product would work so you're turning it into like a positive so it's not just a negative mean review but you're yeah exactly yeah so how has being niche down from the get-go kind of helped you with your business um, I think that just starting out in this niche market allowed me to grow a little bit faster than if I had multiple niches going on on my website or if I had done one route and then switched gears and decided to, you know, go down the path of just focusing on Salem. I think it allowed me, <clears throat> excuse me, to grow my audience a little bit faster for that reason because I was just focusing on travel and tourism as it relates to Salem. So I was just hitting that market from the get-go and attracting those people and networking with the businesses that are already in Salem and the other travel websites um, that exist in and around Salem, things like that. I feel like it just helped me hit
hit the gas pedal harder than if I had changed my mind halfway through. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And like, you know, since you still are travel website, it's still something people are interested in, but being even more niche down has, you know, been able, you've been able to experience local stuff when people are just ran regular tri- travel bloggers. They don't have like a specific city or country that they focus on or even like a state, then it gets a little more difficult to make those connections. You know, of course they'll still get deals with hotels and things like that, those, you know, travel bloggers and things like that. But, you know, when you have that connection to a city or state or whatever, and you're always promoting them, then they start to notice. And then they're like, well, so-and-so is like always talking about our city. So, you know, they become familiar with you and people are more likely to trust you because that's the one thing you're talking about versus every state in the U.S. or every city in the U.S. or things like that. Yeah, absolutely. It makes it easier for people that are also part of that industry to find you faster too. So people that already work and live in Salem or run travel websites that relate to New England or Salem, it made it easier for me to get myself in front of them because it was just all that I was focusing on from the start. So after a little while, I started getting, you know, emails and DMs on Instagram and stuff, people reaching out to me and wanting to know, Hey, you know, who runs these accounts or this website? Like, you know, what's, what's your name? Can I sit down and meet up with you? Do you want to get a cup of coffee? I'd love to talk with you and just kind of meet the person that's running these accounts because I was, it was easier to get myself in front of them. Exactly. It helps so much with those opportunities, like being able to go on the tours for free and, you know, mm-hmm. sit at different locations and hotels and stuff because they want your coverage because your coverage means a lot more to them than a random influencer that lives in Tennessee that wants to come visit, you know? So, I mean, yeah, it's still exactly. valuable in its own right because you, you know, you're expanding the global reach, but at the same time, since you do have that niche, you're, a little more credible because you have experienced it. You, you live there and things like that. So you're in that element 24 seven versus someone who came from another state or something and is just going to be there for a few days. Yeah, exactly. And it's, I think it's interesting too, because all of this, what we're saying is backed up by my Google like analytics. If I look at the traffic, like map of people that visit my website, like where you can look at you know, like a picture of the globe or of the United States or whatever, Uh the highest concentration of people that reference my website live in New England. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes total sense because, you know, they're probably looking for cool things to do during the fall and then it comes Mm up or, you know, I'm sure there are people who are traveling there from other cities or states that -hmm. are interested too, but it's like, it makes so much sense that, you know, Mm -hmm. the highest concentration is people within that area because, you know, that's close to them so that they can travel there for the weekend or it might be right in their backyard basically. So yeah, that's that's really interesting. And it just shows how um, well your niche is converting because a lot of people have like, you know, entire, the whole U.S. is their market. And that, well, that can be great because, you know, some places are like, oh, we're only working with people who live in Dallas right now or something like that, or people who have followers in Dallas or whatever that the case may be. But, you know, you can say like, if there's a campaign or something that is looking for people in that area, like specifically in the New England area, then you're pretty much golden so yeah exactly (laughs) so it's really cool to kind of see um and it just kind of helps further you as an expert so now Mm -hmm. let's dive into the three questions that I ask everyone that comes on the show so what does it mean for you to be an entrepreneur and what is your favorite part about it 
Um, for me, being an entrepreneur has always meant just having creative freedom. I've always been a creative minded person. I always like to build and you know, kind of create, forge my own path to things. It just means allowing me to pursue those things that I want to focus my time on. Um, being able to just follow my true life course as you know, cheesy or corny or whatever as that might sound. <laughs> it just means being able to follow that path that I know is meant for me anyways. Um, being able to have control of, you know, my plans and just like my whole trajectory. And I think my favorite part is probably just being able to focus on things that I love and that I'm passionate about and being able to exercise that creative part of myself all the time. That's so important to me. I've always been that way. When I was in my early 20s, I started another business focusing on photography and I did that full time for about five or six years in my early 20s. Went back into the regular workforce, started doing my own pursuits again. I keep cycling back to it because I know that this is just how I'm meant to work. It's just a very important part of me to be able to kind of set my own course. Yeah, I love that. I think that's really important that you kind of like notice that that's what you want to do, whether, you know, even though you had a photography business in the past, you kind of realized, okay, well, maybe this isn't what I want to do, but I do still want to work for myself. But I just need to find that path that is going to be best suited for me as an entrepreneur. And, you know, that's what entrepreneurs do. They kind of switch their business model all the time and then until they find what really works for them and what is really lighting them up. And you know, it seems crazy because a lot of people don't do that. Like you're not in an entrepreneurial space, but I've seen my friends go from different business models to other ones and you know, they finally found what they love and now they're just like 10 times happier. Um, so it's really cool to see everyone's journey. Yeah, absolutely. And paying attention to all the stops along the way. Like though I didn't wind up staying in photography like for the long haul, it still taught me a lot early on in life about running my own business. And I've used that skill a billion times over with the Salem website, with event coverage, taking pictures around the city and teaming up with other businesses where they have brought me in to do photography work for them and learning website design early on in life as well, because it was just an interest turned into me being able to build my own websites. And yeah. it's like all of these things kind of just, even though I was on different paths, you know, in one way or another, it all came together to form where I am now, like where I am now. So paying attention to all those stops along the way, I think can still be beneficial because they still can teach you things. Yeah, I totally agree. And having those photography skills, I imagine helps you a lot, especially since you're doing, like you said, a lot of event coverage and things like that. Being able to have that under your belt already is super helpful because a lot of people as bloggers, that's something they struggle with, but you already have that skill like down pat. So you're able to just easily take pretty pictures and not have to, you know, have that learning curve. Yeah, or have to hire somebody to do it for me or have exactly. somebody take photos of me. Like just taking all of the fortes that you might already naturally have and having them work for you. Yeah, for sure. Like even like me, I was in marketing before I started my own blog and then my business later on. And, you know, that really helps me know how to use social media appropriately and, you know, grow my following on there and things like that. So that, you know, the skills are definitely transferable, whether they're from corporate or a previous entrepreneurship venture. Um, you know, you just have to take all the skills that you've learned and apply it to your business. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So what is the favorite, your favorite tool that you use in your business currently? It doesn't have to be like anything crazy, but just something you feel like you couldn't live without. Um, can I say Red Bull? Is that an option? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, 
it's, it's a tool, right? <laughs> it gets you through the day, so. <laughs> right, any kind of, uh, any kind of caffeine-based beverage. Um, <laughs> uh, but I would say probably, as of lately, I would say it's been my newsletter tools because I had, when I first started my website, I created a newsletter because I knew that that was, you know, something quote unquote that you should do. And I didn't really focus too much on it. It was just like, okay, I put it over here, whatever. Mm-hmm. And as of about six months ago, I started to really focus on it. And I switched from the company that I was using to Mailer Lite and okay. started publishing a newsletter that goes out once a week. My newsletter goes out on Sundays. I created opt-in content and I really focused myself on growing that and being able to have the automation tools that, you know, Mailer Lite, for example, offers. I really enjoy those. It allows me to run things seamlessly without having to be the ones to actually like hit send and do stuff. I can have things that are just going while I'm like in the background. Yeah, for sure. So, so recently, yeah, I would say probably Mailer Light and all of the tools that that comes with, which could be generalized to just, you know, newsletter tools. I know there are other companies that offer comparable things, of course, but my experience has been so far in Mailer Light has been good. Yeah, I think that's really important. And a lot of people kind of like, you know, like you, they, they have an email list because they are told that they're supposed to have one and they don't really do anything with it. But I feel like email lists are still, people say they're dead, but they're not. Because mine, it, mine converts really well, and I know a lot of people that convert really well, and they're able to get sales or, you know, customers and other things from their email list. And, you know, your website, if it's self-hosted, and your email list are, like, the only things you own. As a social media manager, obviously, I talk about social media a lot, but I realize that Instagram or Pinterest could shut down tomorrow, and, you know, you need to have a backup plan. You can't just rely on those two things for traffic or, you know, your subscribers slash followers to kind of get information from you, you need to be converting them to your website and your email list because they're the only two things, you know, that you own. Even if like, you know, ConvertKit or MailerLite shut down tomorrow, you could at least export your list of names and take them elsewhere. You know, you, you yeah. if the tool closes down, you still have those names that you quote unquote own. So I think it's really important to have those two things so that, you know, you're still communicating with your audience, even if the Instagram algorithm sucks or you're not getting your stuff seen on Pinterest or something like that. It's really important to have. Yeah, definitely being able to have those people that are your, you know, kind of your hardcore fans, your VIP people that really want to know what's going on with you so much that they want you to contact them on a regular basis via their email. And um, working on growing my list has, you know, kind of backed that up as well. Like I really started to focus on it, like I was saying, and then I slowly saw in my Google Analytics, people were clicking through from my newsletter. And that's been, you know, slowly climbing up the traffic source list. And I can see that people are opening the emails at a, you know, at a nice percentage rate and that people are signing up every single day. New people are throwing their email in there. And I feel like having those tools has just been really valuable to me to be able to have that set up and running when I'm not at my laptop. Yeah, and with you, it's even better because your your business is so niche that everyone on your email list cares about what you're writing about. For me, I mean, even though I am pretty niched with my social media management business, there's still going to be topics that don't interest everyone because there's so much to cover. But you know, with you, it's like pretty much everything you put out, people are going to be interested in. So you're able to convert to higher open rates, higher click-through rates and things like that, because people are interested in that information that you're putting out and you don't really have to guess and figure out, hmm, you know, what should I write today that my customers slash email subscribers are going to be interested in. 
Yeah, absolutely. There might be some, you know, a little bit of variance. Like if I write about in an email, I think the one that I sent out, I think it was last week, was visiting Salem with kids and activities with children in and around the city. So if you don't have kids, that might not apply to you. But the newsletter the next week, right, you're either a Salem local and you want to know what's going on or you're going to maybe visit Salem and you want to know what's going on. So that's exactly what you were saying. It's easier to have a more engaged audience because you're exactly what they're trying to find more information about. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like the people that you said that are visiting Salem soon, you know, they may be on your list up until they visit and then unsubscribe, but that's fine too, because they got what they needed from you and then, you know, they can move on and you can move on. So you're not, you know, paying for that subscriber when they're no longer needed. So, yeah, exactly. And then lastly, who is your go-to business resource? This doesn't have to be anyone like super huge or anything, but just someone who inspires you and, you know, you're always consuming the content that they're creating? Um, so recently I've been into, uh, there's a blogger that, how did I find her? I think I found her Facebook group first and then I clicked over to her website and I've since purchased, you know, downloadable PDFs like e-courses she's done. Mm -hmm. um, her name is Lauren Duclos, but she blogs under the name L Duclos, like E-L-L. -L. Oh yeah, I know who that is. Right. Yeah, she's, I've done a, I did a little private Skype consultation with her. Like I booked her for a little bit of her time and we video chatted. She's super sweet. And I've really been digging the content she's been putting out there lately. I feel like it's easy to understand. It's written from a very like grounded place mm -hmm. and I've had a good experience with her so far. Cool. Yeah, no, that's one of the people that I like, I have like a couple people that I pin for on Pinterest for both myself and my clients. Cause most of my clients are also you know, business bloggers, coaches, things like that. So it's like a very similar thing. And like her pins always pop up and I think they're of good quality. So I'm always pinning her for both myself and my clients. So she's getting a lot of Pinterest traffic from me probably. Yeah, she's uh, she's pretty big on the Pinterest and she does uh, Pinterest management if you need like a VA kind of person to help you with that. And she's like real big on hitting Pinterest hard. So I'm not surprised that her stuff comes up there a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a Pinterest manager too. So yeah, I always see her stuff and I'm like, okay, good. Like. I like when people promote, I like to share Pinterest tips because that's what I do too. So it's always nice to see her stuff because I know it's going to be of high quality and I don't have to like click through and make sure it's going to be like something spammy or something. Yeah, uh, she's been good. I like her. I was turned on recently by the Texas Halloween blogger. You mentioned Miranda from Spooky Little Halloween. She turned me on to Sarah Morgan. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I like her too. Excellent. I know, I like her stuff. I get her emails and they're always valuable to me. I've clicked through and read a lot of her posts. I feel like she puts out really solid content too. Yeah, I like her too. I'm on her list. And I'm only on a few bloggers lists now, or at least business bloggers lists now, just because my inbox is being like inundated with stuff, but she always has really good content. So um, she's definitely someone I don't anticipate unsubscribing from anytime soon. <laughs> No, me either. She does a good job. I'm glad that um, Miranda pointed me in her direction and I got to, you know, kind of check her out. I'm not sure, you know, if I would have found her necessarily otherwise. So I'm glad that I found her website. For sure. So tell everyone where we can find you. So your website, your social media handles, things of that sort. Okay. So my website is pretty simple. It's things to do in Salem.com and on Facebook, and Instagram and Pinterest, the usernames for that are all things to do in Salem. On Twitter, it's Witch City Guide because things to do in Salem was too many characters. <laughs> yeah. um, I also have a Facebook group as well, which is just facebook.com slash groups slash things to do in Salem. It's all pretty easy to find. 
Yeah, no, that's the that's the good part about it because you know people aren't stealing that um, handle most likely, so you have it on all the things. So yeah, well, thank you so much for um, being here today. I'll leave all of your links in the show notes for people to go check out. And yeah, I really enjoyed chatting with you. Yeah, that was great. Thank you so much for having me on. It was nice to chat with you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find all the details from this episode by going to www.savvysocialhour.com slash episode 65. Make sure to join the Savvy Social Media Babes community Facebook group for daily prompts, updates on the podcast, and more. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. You can find us on the web at www.savvysocialhour.com. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Savvy Social Hour and like our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash Savvy Social Hour. New episodes will be released every single Tuesday and Thursday. See you next time.